Thank you for joining In the Vine Dating Podcast with host Melissa Chavez, where we'll be inviting different guests to answer all of your questions about Christian dating and relationships. And of course, discussing our upcoming dating mixers and events. For more information, you can visit our website at inthevinedating.com. And if you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to show your support and like, share, and subscribe. Hi everyone, welcome to Who's in the Vine Dating Podcast. And today you have me, Denise, as your host. And the reason Yay. is because I have the honor and the privilege to interview. <laughs> <Why do you> laugh? <laughs> I have the honor and the privilege to interview the lovely Melissa Chavez. Hello. Hi, how are you? Good. <laughs> how are you feeling, Melissa? I am so excited. Are you? Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> Guys, this is my first time, so you know, just have, you know, just be kind to me. But, um, you know, when Melissa asked for me to interview her, I was like, okay, this is going to be fun. This is yes. going to be, you know, interesting. I know it's going to be hard, but I am very excited to just, you know, dive in and get into Melissa. Ooh. So, Melissa, Hello. who is Melissa Chavez? Oof, I feel like that changes every hour. <laughs> Um, but no, who, I, who am I? I think, to be quite honest, like the number one thing that I think matters about who I am is the fact that, and it's gonna, just I'm gonna pre-warn you. It's gonna sound um, super spiritual or whatever, but you have to understand, like when I came to the Lord, like I literally was, I was nothing. I was, I felt so worthless. I felt like just, I had nothing to give to this world. So when I say that, the most important thing about me is the fact that I'm a child of God, that I'm a daughter of the King. Like, I, I mean that sincerely and thoroughly because um, God's love is really what defines me. Um, and so one of my prayers is that my legacy would always be that I would be known by that. And so um, that's the number one thing. And from that place, um, I, at church, um, I am I lead prayer on Sundays and so that's been pretty cool I'm sure like you and like a lot of people that come to this church I've been able to experience a lot of um, miracle signs and wonders because of that like I remember the first miracle that I ever experienced was with my niece Isabel she um, she was really little and um, it was like <clears throat> this whole scene going on and her eye was hurting and so finally I got like so angry and um, just filled with compassion I called her over to me I was like let me pray for you I prayed for her and her eye was like instantly healed mm -hmm. and I remember we were both like oh my god like that just <laughs> happened and she just kept like playing or whatever and um, yeah that was pretty spectacular to me and just recently like I had this lady come up and um, she asked me to pray for her ear and her ear was like instantly healed and so that to me is so profound that god would use somebody like me again like i was a lush when i came from the world like i was a hot mess and so the fact that god moves through people like us right that are so broken that to me is uh just profound uh and last but not least uh i'm a writer I'm, i love to write i um i discovered that gift when i came to the lord uh, which was funny though because I have flashbacks of when I was little like maybe 12 13 years old that I would actually write poetry to the Aww. Lord and um, it was like this whole thing but I thought it was like whack at that point right it was it was weird um, but I'm a writer I love um, even though I'm not the best at communication and like that I trip over my words quite often actually but I love the idea of communication because there people find themselves in communication, right? And so when people are able to express themselves and express an idea, a thought, an emotion, 
that to me brings me so much joy and because of that i love to edit like i love to edit people's work um because bring able to bring coherency to people's ideas um whatever the case may be to me it's just one of the most rewarding things to be able to bring somebody's like just word nonsense or whatever the case may be and bring it to a coherent thought where people themselves i'm like oh my god like i wrote that and i'm like yeah so it's those those are pretty much like my basic passions i think and i love what you said you know um the gifts that you have i've been able to just witness them firsthand you know when i know we i mentioned in, in my podcast that you were um or that i wrote for the palmdale journal you actually got to edit a lot of my stuff and that was just really amazing to see how you ha- you have this gift of being able to listen to what someone is saying and just not lose the tone of their voice when you're editing and even being able to bring more to life right what that person is trying to convey so i've definitely seen you do that firsthand and and i think that is such a remarkable gift and another thing you know that i love about you is when you talked about prayer and you know i remember when i would as i would listen to you pray during you know intercession prayer I'm always like, how does she remember everything? How does she remember every scripture that she reads? Like, how does she remember um, everything that, you know, that she reads? And how is she able to just apply it all and, and, you know, and and apply it to people and apply it to situations and apply it corporately? And I do believe that is such a gift that you have that I know we'll, you know, we'll touch on later on throughout the podcast because there is just so many things to you that are so special and so remarkable that I, I really want the world to grasp that. Um, but I know that we talked about prayer and, you know, all these great things that you do do, but tell us to have you, did you, were you always serving the Lord? Cause I know you mentioned that when you were 12 or 13, that you would write poetry, yeah. you know, to God. So is that something that you've always done or, um, no, actually. So in a roundabout way, yes, but I was never really like devoted to the Lord. So I actually grew up in Christianity. I've been a Christian my entire life as far as that goes, and I think that's by association. Um, my mom was very diligent in taking me and my siblings to church, mostly me because I'm the one that lived the most with her. Okay. Um, so we, she and I used to live in El Salvador from like my, I was two, two years old when she took me over there, and I grew up there till I was like seven. And going to church in El Salvador is a lot different than going to church out here. <laughs> really? Like, it's purposeful you know like so we would drive uh, we would drive we would have to ride buses cabs and over there it's every day like it's not just sundays it's not just one day during the week like you went every day so my mom used to take me to this church right but unfortunately um and i'm not dogging any of these churches that i've been to um because we went to a lot of different churches um i'm not dogging any of that because it may very much be my recollection but I will say that I do not remember ever knowing that God was intimate. Like, I never knew that God wanted to be a part of our everyday lives and that he was attainable. To me, uh, to be quite honest, uh, religion was always like, uh, have you heard the phrase like virtue signaling? I've never heard that. So it's pretty much just like doing the right thing in order for like giving the appearance of doing the right thing so that you can get that kind of like credit or whatever. I hope I got that right. But, um, so that was what it was for me. And, um, you know, it was just, it wasn't it. But when I was 12 years old, during around that time, I did get baptized. And um, because I think my sister and I got baptized during that time, like it was a thing to do. And, um, but my life started getting progressively bad from that moment on because warfare is very much real. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but unfortunately the church the church that i was attending at that time like they never explained any of those things right and so um anyway i kept uh, I, I grew up in the church and everything but once i got to high school i actually started like falling into this really like deep dark hole um i started harming myself like i would do all that stuff like I won't go into detail because it really doesn't matter, but it would just hurt myself. And then from that, and that's when I started dealing a lot with like suicidal thoughts. And um, and then from there, by the time like I got to like senior year, I started getting like into drugs and things of that nature. And um, it wasn't long. By the time I hit 18, like I got my freedom, right? Like the proverbial 18 where you start getting your freedom. So I got my first job, which was at a gas station. And that was a lot of fun. <laughs> like, I'm not going to lie um that was a lot of fun i started um i started i i i just got a lot more independence and so it wasn't long before i actually became like a freaking huge like pothead and from that moment on i started raving during that time and um i started like dabbling with like hallucinogenics and i've always had like medical issues and so i had always had like cro uh, close proximity to narcotics so i started getting super addicted to painkillers and then from that, I started just getting into drinking. And at this time, like, I also started dating and, you know, doing all that crazy stuff. And um, it wasn't long just before I found myself, like, in this really dark hole, right? And during this time, I was still going to church. Like, oh. yeah, I was still going to church. I was being diligent. I remember there was this one time I was at the club and, the, like, the guy offered me, like, another drink. And I was like, oh, no, I got to go to church tomorrow. <laughs> he was like, are you serious? And I was like, yeah. And um, I remember I, I was like, why did he ask me if I'm serious? But obviously now I get it. But uh, yeah, so I was just really broken. I was completely broken. And I remember, um, you know, I always say and in my mind, like, I always say that from 18 to 21, the Lord really allowed me to receive all the things that I thought would validate me. And that was you know attention that was influence money connections like i i got to experience that to a certain level where i thought it was just like my it was cool you know right. and um by the time i hit 21 though um i started just diving deep into alcoholism and um that for sure was like the worst and so at this time like i um i've had a falling out with my parents and so my sister took me in. She let me live with her for a little bit. So I was living with her and her two girls. And so at this time, I was also out on disability because of work. So my my every day was literally just like either getting high, smoking, um, going to the gym. Oh, and during this time too, to add like insult to injury, I also had a um, eating disorder. So I was like bulimic for like a year. So I was just I was destroying myself in every possible way that I could possibly think. Like I was creative with it. Okay. Right. And um, so by the time I turned 21, that's when I started diving deep into the alcoholism. And by the time I turned 21 in September, and now March 2013, I remember there was this one specific night that, you know, you know those nights where nothing's like working out? Yes. And yeah. you're just like, you know you're forcing <laughs> yeah, right, it, right? right? And so it was that night for me. And for the first time, I was like, I'm just going to keep my butt home. Like, there's nothing out there for me. I'm just going to stay home. But of course you know your friends your friends your friends right they always come right. through they do they're always there when you need them <laughs> sometimes yes yeah. <laughs> and so i remember my friends called me and they were like melissa just come out like you know the whole like bottle service vip they're like we got you and i was like say less yes. <laughs> and down I, for a good time. exactly i was right. down for a good time and to make things like more enticing 
uh, there was this person that I was talking to and he was going to be there. So I was like, even more of an incentive. Like, let me just go. You know what I mean? There's right. nothing holding me back. I'm young. Right. So I wish I would have listened to my gut, though, because I wasn't even there for like an hour. And, you know, after the club, like, is it even a, the end of a club night if you don't go eat? Like, right. come on. So we went, we were headed to go eat. And I remember the guy was like, hey, like, would you like for me to drive you? Like, you're, you're kind of drunk. And I was like, no, no, I'm fine. And to even prove a point, like, I was like, I'll even take my drunken friend with me, I, like, and we'll meet you there. So I'm headed there, and my drunk friend, more drunk friend, is, like, rolling around in the back seat. And, um, and so I'm trying to get her situated. And keep in mind, like, the fact that I remember any of this is, like, right. totally gone. Because I was, I was gone. Right. And um, I remember I'm, like, trying to get my friend situated. And then I look forward. The light had been green for some time. Like, the car in front of me had already left. And I look back again, and there's cops behind me. Yes. So I was like, oh, this is awesome. And so then I was like, okay, like, I'm not about to get this car impounded. Because, no, thank you. So then we pulled into the parking lot and then the whole thing happened. And I remember sitting there and um, I, I just, I, I can go back to that moment as if it's happening right now. Like I just remember sitting there, my friend's freaking out. I have my hands on the steering wheel. And one thing about religion is that it teaches you to cry out to God when right. you need help, right? Yes. And uh, well, the thing about addiction is that you always bargain. Right, mm -hmm. especially when you get caught. Mm -hmm. And so I had been an addict for so long in one way or another, and so especially those three years. And so I remember sitting there though, and I was like, and I, I just remember thinking, I'm like, God, like, I can't even ask you for help in this moment, you know? And um, in that moment, what I thought was my mind, like responding to myself, I heard, that should show you how far you are away from me when you're too ashamed to ask for help. And so hindsight, I realized that that was the first time I heard God's voice. But in wow. that moment, I thought it was just me, right? Right. And so to me, it's crazy, like, the fact that I grew up in church for 21 years. And the first time that I heard God's voice, I was so drunk. I was getting arrested. Like, it was, to me, that's wild, right? Yeah. So then I remember the cop coming to the, like, coming to the door or whatever, to the window. And I was like, oh, I can't do the field sobriety test. I'm like, I, and I was explaining like my medical issues. And he was like, oh, like, what do you have? And so I tell him and he just had like this stunned look on his face. And I remember asking him like, why are you, the, like weird, weird exchange. I was like, why are you looking at me like that? And he was like, well, I don't remember if it was his niece or his granddaughter. He was an older man. He's like, they were diagnosed with what you have. They can't even walk. And so in that moment, I felt like somebody threw cold water on me. Yeah. Okay, like I was like, what am I doing with my life? Right. And I wish I could tell you that my life completely changed from that moment, but obviously it like it didn't. Um, and I remember that time that I was dealing a lot with resentment and bitterness because, um, you know, Hispanic parents, they have a tendency of bailing their kids out, right? Mm -hmm. And so for me, my parents didn't, I mean, they bailed me out, but they didn't like help me carry the weight of that consequence. And for an addict, that's the best thing that you can ever do. Let them feel the weight of their consequence. And um, even though I struggled with that for a little bit, I look back now and I'm like, wow, like that was God's really saving grace, right? So the next few months, I started separating myself from my friends because they were still putting me in situations that were getting me even worse situations. Like, I remember one day we were driving and um, because of the probation or whatever, like you can't be in the car with drunk people, even if you're sober, even if you're driving. 
Um, and I remember looking at them and like, what in the world am I freaking doing here? Like these keep, like these people don't care about me. Mm-hmm. And so then um, I started pulling away little by little. And since I was on disability, right before I went on disability, I remember I had met this guy uh, where I worked. And for some reason, he came into my mind and I was like, when I go back to work, I'm going to befriend that guy. And random. I had only had like one conversation <laughs> with him. Right. And so... Um, I go back to work, and so this guy, right, I'm going to call him guy A because there's also a guy B. And um, I see him. He's the first one I see as soon as I step into JCPenney. Um, so I see him, say hi, whatever. And during this time, there was this other guy, guy B, who I, like, I wanted that. Like, I wanted all of that. Like, I've, let me make that clear. And so um, I was there, and I remember we were working together with Guy B, and he, I was, I was kind of embarrassed to admit that I was like searching out for God. Um, and so then he was like, oh, he, I guess he had started like getting closer to God. And during this time, there was like a, Bible, a young adult Bible study that was like sprouting up. And I remember I had seen that Bible study, and I was like so attracted to that because right. growing up with in a Hispanic culture religion baptist like all those things like it was always very boring and um and to be quite honest like the friends that i had there were worse than the people that i had met out in the world um as far as like the things that they were into so um i remember i was talking with him and he was like oh like are you still smoking like blah 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 and i was like um no um like just you know being bashful about it and he was like, well, you know, my mom knows enough about the Bible to prove that you can still get high and be a Christian. So he's talking to a freaking addict. Really? So I was like, oh, talk to me about it. Like, really? tell me more, you know? So I remember I went to the break room during my lunch and guy A was there. And I, I don't know what caused me to tell him, but I told him and he was like, no, like, no, 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 that's wrong and blah, blah, blah. And it turns out that during this time, like this guy had gone in super zealous for god like he was on fire for god and um so anyway guy b invited me to that other um to the bible study and everything and i remember going to the bible study and i remember i was just so hungry to rededicate myself back to god that i didn't care like it could have just been me and the person Mm -hmm. and i would have it didn't matter what the circumstance was right so i just knew that i was ready to rededicate myself back to god however um i always ever since I was little, ever since I started becoming more aware of myself and the things that I've dealt with, like, I was always um, very conservative with the attention that I got. Like, I didn't want attention. Like, to me, attention was like, the wor- which is crazy, right? Because in one way I wanted it, but in a very real way, like, I, I didn't know how to handle that. Um, but I remember going to the, to the Bible study and I told the Lord, like, if this is what you want me to do, I need a sign. Mm-hmm. Again, don't know where that came from right. like so i'm sitting there in this bible city and it's a packed out house like where people are sitting sitting indian style we're all like touching each other there's people sitting on the staircase there's people outside like just wanting to listen and so the the house was packed and when they finally did the altar call in this entire uh, house filled with people i was the only one to get rededicated that night i was the only one to answer the altar call and so i knew i'm like okay god like you set this appointment for me you right know? and i remember just being so filled with joy and all these things and um from that moment on weirdly enough i didn't feel comfortable going back to that bible study and um guy a ended up inviting me to greater works christian church 
And the first day that I came, as I mentioned before, like I completely walked out. <laughs> it was just a yeah, hot mess. Right. <laughs> but then I came back a few other times, and there was three things that just drew me to not just this church, but to God's heart. And the first one was, um, you know, again, growing up in Christianity um, and dealing with like medical issues and stuff, like I just never knew that God was like nobody ever prayed for me like nobody ever came to me and was like hey like how can we be about you i was always preached at you know mm -hmm. and i'm not gonna cry i'm not gonna cry i'm not gonna cry i'm good uh i was always preached at, and so i remember like not even like a month into being at greater works a rob and from the pulpit like just as he was finishing closing prayer he comes up to me and prays for me and so and i'm like what is this what what is this you know like the pastors like they were just so clothes they were like you can touch them you know mm -hmm. and to me that was weird in a good way in a really good way and um the second thing was people's heart for god was genuine not just for god but for each other like somebody that grew up in a family that's been so dysfunctional and please like when i say that i don't i'm not doing it to badmouth my family like i love them um but we all have very real trauma and we all deal with it the best way that we can and so, um, but when I saw just healthy families, like, you know what Mike said, um, that it, it just, that drew me in because I was like, dude, like, this is so genuine, you know? And third, Pastor Adriana, not only did she invite me into her home and minister to me and, you know, cook for me, and I know that she tells this story often, but she prayed for me and the Holy Spirit revealed things to her that nobody in my life could have ever known. Um, and from that moment on, I was like, okay, God is real, and I want him, and I want everything to do with him, you know? Right. And so um, that's how I came to the Lord. Ever since then, I've just been completely devoted to him to the best of my ability. So I guess it would be safe to say that you experienced God in a very religious sense, right, yes. in the beginning. And then it turned more, when it became more relational, yeah. that's what really drew your heart into this, right? Yeah. So now... One thing that I, as I heard your story, and a lot of this is new to me, so I, I'm, I'm all taking, taking it <laughs> in as well, but so what would you say to someone who has been in church um, and wasn't experiencing or isn't experiencing, or it was really like you, like there's, it's, there's something's missing. What would you say to someone like that um, to get them to, to be a part or to get to experience Jesus the way you experience him now? That's a really good question, and I've never thought about that, actually. But I'm going to bring it to my favorite scripture in the Bible, and that is Job crying out to the Lord. He had gone through his entire escapade with God, or not escapade, but trial. And towards the end, he's, he proclaims, I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. And that to me was the moment that I realized that my parents' religion didn't have to be my religion, um, I got this whole new freedom. And so to any person that is in a church or that is has been growing up in the church and they haven't felt God's power like that, um, you have heard God for yourself, but now it's time for you to hear Him. And so one thing that I know about God is the moment that you turn yourself to Him is that He'll make a way for you to find Him. Mm -hmm. And so I would say, one, find a church where God is moving, Greater Works Christian Church, <laughs> located in Lancaster, yes, California. Right. <laughs> um, but if you don't, you know, if you don't live in Greater Works Christian Church <laughs> or near us, then there's two things that you can do. 
you can be the change in your church, right? Because any church is redeemable if there is repentance, if there is a brand new fire. Like, all it takes is one person to go against the grain to stand up for that. Uh, I'm not saying that's easy. I myself have never been in that position, but I think God would definitely partner up with you with that. And secondly, um, you know, read the word. The word is what gets you zealous, and that fire is able to catch on. And so, off the cuff, I think that's the best answer that I can give at this moment. That's actually really great. And I just want to add another question to that because I, I love. I'm the type of person that loves to, per, uh, you know, give options, but also provide solutions, mm -hmm. right? So let's say that, that that person is like, okay, yes, I know that that comes with a battle, Yeah. right? So would you say that when that transition happened, was that easy for your family to accept? Oof, no. And how did you navigate that? Oh my goodness. Because Ugh. I'm pretty sure that, you know, hindsight somebody over here, I know that I'm thinking, right, okay, fear, what's, yeah. how, what should I look, what should I expect? How can I navigate that? And clearly, you're on the other side yeah. so i think it would be great to hear how did you navigate that what did that yeah. look like well, i had totally forgotten about any of that um yeah my family was not okay with that um they were in a lot of different ways right because you have to understand i was a full-blown addict right so when i started getting on fire for the lord my family was looking at me really sideways <laughs> and i don't blame them like you know I had to give my family space to see the change in me and I couldn't convince them like I couldn't and this was because I used to sit with Pastor Adriana before I sat with Pastor Linda and Pastor Adriana would be always telling me like you just let your life preach right you stay consistent you st you continue doing what you're doing and at some point they're gonna believe that what God is doing in your life is happening. Right. And so I also had to walk through my own consequences. Like I couldn't, just because I said that my life had changed, I couldn't expect people to respond to that. I had hurt a lot of people. And so um, I had to endure the consequences of, of my sin. And so um, what I, the only thing that I could do honestly is continue to search for the Lord and follow the Lord. and. You know, if people liked it, cool. And if they didn't, then it wasn't easy. Uh, there was many times where my family, where people would go to my parents, for example, and they would like um, tell them how amazing I was and what God was doing in my life and like, these things. First of all, I would cringe when I when people would tell me those things. But uh, once my parents would hear things like that, they would be like, "You're right. Like you don't know her the way that we do. Um, you don't you don't know the things that she says." And I had to really. I tell this even to people that live with. Um, like I tell this all the time to people that are going through this kind of transition where um, you better make sure that if you're preaching that life, that God has changed you or whatever out in the streets whatever you're showing it to your co-workers it doesn't matter what you're saying outside of your home if in the home you're still acting like you're not saved that to me was the biggest test and that was the uh, the most important thing to showcase to god not even to my family but to god that i trusted him with my life because you know it's very hard right. to become a new person around old people right especially with people that you can't get rid of right and so to me that was like the most um i think you know hardship is gonna come and it's gonna be weird but just because you're ready to make a change doesn't mean that other people are ready to accept that change and you need to give people grace and you need to give yourself grace because if you start 
isolating people for not accepting your change overnight, then you're already off and you're going to turn them off to the Lord. Right. Because there was such a track record yeah. and history yep. of your wrongdoings, yep. right? And so there had to be, and I, re I reference this a lot in our podcast, even with the book Trust from Dr. Henry Cloud, there has to be a track record of, you know, you, you, your, your lifestyle choices being a change yes. in order for people to really realize, okay, this is, this is for real. Yeah. Because even with addicts, right, from what I've heard, read, listened to your stories, like, there can be a change for a little bit, yeah. right? And then yeah. what happens? There, people revert back. Relapse. Yeah. Relapse, yeah. thank you. So I just really felt the need to hone in that because, you know, even, for example, myself, coming from a Catholic background, mm -hmm. coming into Christianity, you know, we also experienced a lot of backlash. So it's too much. Yeah. And people, they in the beginning, it was really hard for them to accept or to believe yeah. that this God was real. Yes. And it wasn't until years later, right? And for some people, it's sooner, but for us, it was years later where they were to re they really realized, oh my gosh, like there's something there. Like yeah. it's powerful. Yeah. But it was that. It was being consistent. Yes. Right? Not just preaching about God with our words, but with our actions. Yes. Yes. So I really wanted you to share that. And, and I love that because, like I said, you're on this side. You know, you've brought in your nieces. Yeah. You know, Kat, shout out to Kat. Shout out to who's Kat. Truly, you know, who's back there. Got saved for such a time. <laughs> Got saved for such a time. So, and so I just really wanted to emphasize that. And, and before we move on to something, there's been a, there's been like a, a sequence of just from Shekinah and my, and Yessi and myself and talking about like um, addiction, mm -hmm. right? And, for you addiction mm -hmm. and your addiction led to consequences yes. right and so how have you been able to cope and overcome mm. this addiction um well first and foremost i i don't live in the identity of addiction right i think that's a very key point for me um and the way that i've been able to overcome it is by being honest um, and exposing myself. Mm. Um, I expose myself to the utmost degree as much as I can. She really does. She really <laughs> and does. sometimes I overshare, yeah. okay? But that keeps me safe. Right. And that keeps me safe and it keeps me out of a place of shame. Like, even now, like, um, because I still struggle medically um, with some things and so, which I know we'll, we'll touch on in a little bit, but, um, so I still have, like, I still have painkillers, right? And so, now every time i'm about to take one i text my pastors and i'm like hey like i'm about to take one for this and this reason is it valid or do i need to go get some ibuprofen you know what right. i mean and so with that like i have a lot of accountability i don't go around places that will trigger um i mean i'm not saying i've been perfect at that because i mean you guys have heard that i went to lounges <laughs> so i'm not gonna pretend like right. but i just do my best to not put myself in situations where I can fall into those right. things. Um, it hasn't been easy. Like, uh, I don't know who talked about it, but I'm sure we touched on it a few times where the Lord does that instant miracle sometimes. But it doesn't mean that self-discipline is not necessary anymore. Like, there are times that I still struggle with, you know, I want to go back to that or I want to try this or I want to do that. But at the end of the day, like, I don't identify with the thoughts I identify myself with the victory so it's like okay like just because I have that thought doesn't mean that I've relapsed and doesn't mean that I'm still that person it means that there's a very real enemy who's trying to come against my very soul and so the moment that I put that in its right perspective I'm able to be like wait a minute like this isn't me anymore and break that off again 
it's not easy it's not easy it's a constant battle but the more that you do it and the more that you learn to navigate through it the easier it becomes to identify right. those things right and i love that you touched on it i wanted you to touch on that especially you once again from a place of i'm not just talking about it i'm practicing what i preach yeah. and i love to give people hope and saying you know what yes we're all jacked up we're, yes. we all need help but it starts with like we've said being honest yeah. and accountability yeah. i think accountability goes such a, like a, it goes it stretches it's it yeah. does so much for us um and it's also one of the scariest things that people can do because they're afraid to be vulnerable yes. for so many reasons but i find with the stories that we've heard that it's in that accountability mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. that's really kept people free yeah and so i just i think that's powerful so thank you for sharing thank that you. thank you for asking yes i want to actually just dive into to something else that we we were discussing earlier and I'm still really enamored by the story of you writing poetry to God at, what was it, 12 Like 12, 13, yeah. Yes, like I think that's amazing. And in that, I know you've gone to school, mm -hmm. right? You have your degree yes. in? Uh, English. English, yes. okay. And not only do you have your degree and you've gone through school and you've gotten your education to perfect your craft, but you've also established and have created so many things through that right mm -hmm. so you've done tongue of the learned yes. which we'll get into yes. you've done psalms over israel which was one of my most favorite <laughs> things ever you were an assistant editor-in-chief mm -hmm. for the palmdale journal right mm -hmm. and in the vine yes right yes so let's start from the beginning what oh what was your heart why did you start tongue of the learned the tongue of the learned so uh, the tongue of the learned that actually comes out of a scripture isaiah 50 um i would say isaiah 54 but it's isaiah 50 verse 4 and if i remember correctly it's um the lord has given me the tongue of the learned to speak a word in due season and um to speak a word a, a word in due season to him who is weary and he awakens my ear morning by morning um to hear to hear his learn or something like that but anyway so i had that word um it was a prophetic word that was given to me that that scripture would be like me in in essence and so from that moment on it really i was like okay well if this is what god is doing in my life then let me start a blog and so my heart behind the blog is look like i've and i'm gonna probably say some things that are gonna sound a little bit outlandish to people who haven't experienced such things but when I say that I've, I've had some crazy encounters with God, like I have had deep, intimate encounters with God where I felt him tangibly. I felt like there's been times in my life where I just felt like I was literally just speaking with the Lord, like the way that you and I are speaking now. Sorry, I don't know, I'm getting emotional. But so my heart behind Tongue of the Learned is um, being able to graft people into that, mm -hmm. right? Like to me, my experience is amazing. Like my experience that I've had with God is awesome. But if I can't invite other people into experiencing that for themselves, then what is the point, right? Like, cause that's God's heart, bringing other, others into that. And so that was my heart behind Tongue of the Learn is being able to just showcase God's friendship, being able to showcase God's proximity because that was the thing that changed my life. Right. That was the thing that brought me purpose. That was the thing that gave me, that literally woke me up from the inside out. And so um, when I write about God or when I, I express myself or when I uh, break down a scripture it's for that it's to reveal God to people right and I think you do that beautifully and I believe that it's such a testament to our Sunday morning intercession prayer oh, yeah, for sure. because you are honestly able to lead people to that place of intimacy 
and it's such a beautiful and prophetic and profound mm -hmm. statement so I love that. I love that you're not selfish with what Jesus is doing with you. I love that you want to invite not just your friends, but corporately everybody yes. <laughs> in the church to something so special and profound. And and even in that, you know, Psalms over Israel. I mean, that was fun. You were able to graph so many different people from the community, different demographics into one place with one purpose. And that was God and his heart for Israel. So talk to me about that. What was your heart behind that? Sounds of Israel. Yeah, that was so much fun. It yeah. was. It was a party. It was a lot of fun. I remember the first one. We were like outside of Pastor Adriana's house and we were mm -hmm. all freezing our butts off. It was funny. Um, but Psalms over Israel, that one came from, it also came from prayer. I remember I was like two or three years saved and I was like, Lord, like, you know, that zealous new Christian, right? It's like, I want to do something for you. Like, what do you want from me? What? And, um, all of a sudden I got this idea cause I had been there. I'm sure there's a YouTube video out there <laughs> of me saying poetry, like, oh God. And I hope it never gets taken down cause it started from the bottom. <laughs> um, and so I remember like this. I started remembering like and writing poetry again and all these things and so and I was like oh you know songs right songs poetry and all that and I was like okay like but I also knew um, that I wasn't the only one with that gift and right. so one way that I protect myself is by highlighting others which is quite backwards from the world system but um, so I was like, how can I bring other people into this, right? And so then I started thinking about Jose, that yeah. he's awesome at, at poetry. So I was like, okay, bring him in. And amazing testimonies that we have, that we're surrounded with, right? I, as we've learned even from our panel, like people have such amazing stories. And so um, I wanted to bring all of that in. And so with the name, you know, the outcast songs, Bombs Over Baghdad. <laughs> <laughs> There's that. There's yeah. that, yeah. I was like, okay, but I can't say Psalms over Baghdad. I was right. like, I don't. So, and I was like, Lord, like, what do I do? And all of a sudden, I was like, oh, Israel, Israel, right? So then um, I was like, okay, Psalms over Israel. But then I was like, okay, but I don't want it to be just a talent show where we just gather and without purpose, right? right? And so then all of a sudden, the Lord just downloaded fundraiser and um, we started raising money to send over to Israel to help um, the Christian ministries out there. And um, because of that, crazy enough, the Lord created a miracle in my life and I was able to go to Israel yes. completely on somebody else's dime. Yes. And um, that was out of nowhere. And I remember we connected with a ministry out there called the Aliyah Center. And um, that center, what it does, it helps um, Israelites return back to Israel. And, and not just, so that process is called the Aliyah and it's actually a fulfillment of prophecy. And so once um, Jewish people return back to Israel, this center helps them get grafted in like as far as um, learn the language, learn the culture, learn their trade, and um, get ready to serve in the military because over there you have to serve in the right. military. And, um, but not just that, not only do they do these practical things, but they preach Jesus. So not only are the Jewish people pro fulfilling prophecy and returning back to Israel, but they're also meeting the Messiah. Like that to me was amazing. So um, yeah, and then we got to meet so many people. We got to meet connect. We got to make connections out in this community, out in San Bernardino, um, and just other random places. And um, yeah, it was amazing. Like it was always a grand old time. So I can't that was wait fun. for the next one. Like, me too, girl. I feel like it just needs to be re-sparked. <laughs> just hearing you speak, you're just lighting I up. Know. I I'm already love, seeing the lights. I, I love, love it. the passion. But Sheesh. you did 
you did something so special and I don't even think you realize of you were able to bring in different people from the community into one place, every race, every ethnicity to support a cause dear to God's heart. And so to me, it's no coincidence and no wonder why God, you know, on somebody else's token, you were able, you know, you sowed a seed and you were able to just get the harvest out of that. And I think that is amazing. And I genuinely can't wait until <laughs> you start that again, because it was it was a really fun space. You know, when you come into Christianity, people think it's not fun. Right. Right. Like you have to be drinking. You have to be doing this. You have to be that to have a great time. And I don't know if we can try to post a link to some of those party videos yeah, that, that happened at Butler's. I yeah. remember this one time, like we had little kids yeah. dancing and people on chairs. People on chairs. <laughs> and you would have never thought it was a Christian affair, yeah, right? And yeah. um, of course, to the world standards, but it right. was such a fun and great time. And I really think that the world needs a little bit more, a little that. bit more fun, yeah. a little bit more fun, definitely. Yeah. So, you know, thank you for sharing that. And it's also beautiful to see the redemption, mm -hmm. the things that the enemy try to take and try to take away from you it's like god's like nope mm -hmm. you know here we are restoring redeeming and allowing you to just do these amazing things but um we also were an assistant editor-in-chief yes. you know for the palmdale journal so that was amazing mm -hmm. and you got to edit and do amazing things and bring bring people's stories to life which was also awesome and in the vine mm -hmm. in the vine is your baby right now yes what is your vision for in the vine in the vine Dude, I still trip out within the mind. <laughs> I can't believe this is life. But, um, so in the vine is not what it, what I intended it to be. Um, it's actually something much better. Um, and what I hope happens from in the vine is, you know, for people that, and I know I've said this scripture time and time again on the podcast, but to me, it's such a dear scripture. Uh, in the Psalms where it says that the Lord takes the lonely and he puts them in families. And so the enemy has done such a great job in isolating people and devaluing uh, family, just even me, right? As I mentioned, like I didn't have a strong family unit. Like we all love each other right. and we would go to the, we would go to the deepest trenches for one another, but it wasn't healthy. And so um, I never understood that value. So one, I trip out with the Lord all the time. I'm like, dude, like <laughs> the fact that you're using me to help do this like to me it's wild but um i really hope to be able to bring people that one never had a value for that or never felt that it could be something attainable for them to bring them together and first and foremost connect them to the heart of god like the moment because if you're going into any relationship with a distorted identity like it's already going to be unhealthy right and so i want people to be able to experience the kindness and the goodness of god through vulnerability, through putting themselves in a situation that they matter and that they're worth having this family unit, uh, having legacy. Like, to me, somebody leaving behind a legacy is the most rich thing that you could ever do. Mm -hmm. And a legacy is going to be different for other people, right? We have Martin Luther King who left it behind a legacy. We have, but in the same token, we have, you know, wicked world leaders who also left behind a wicked legacy. And so, to me, I just want to be able to leave. Um, to give people that ability to leave an inheritance, but at the same time, when people leave a godly inheritance, then that glorifies God. And so it's kind of like David and Solomon, right? Like, that's the kind of generational wealth that I would really like to come from in the vine dating. And I know it sounds like a big, big idea, and it's kind of like, what does that have to do with dating? It has everything to do with dating. It has everything to do with the way that you value yourself, the way that you value others. 
And so, um, yeah, I just, you know, I'm still allowing the Lord to let, let that take shape in whichever way he sees fit. Right. And, I, and just in hearing that, it's beautiful to see how God even used what you started with, Tongue of the Learned, right? Yeah. Psalms over Israel, because that was also fun. And then even with the writing, the editing, you've been able to grab bits and pieces from each thing that you've done and it's kind of like a culmination now mm. right of in the vine it's, it's good yeah. it's all the different vines and branches yeah. coming together that's so crazy <laughs> you know and so it, it's it's a and it, yeah. i love, I love because, that yeah. because you and i always talk about how god is such a storyteller yes both of you and i are writers yes. and it's beautiful to see that god with us everything is so detailed yes. there is a story and it's like bits and pieces of puzzles coming together to create this big beautiful masterpiece yes. so to really watch you know you take everything that you've learned and culminate it into something like this and once again bringing people of different backgrounds into it you know and even in the panel i know we've heard people say to you to me to us it's we would have never thought yeah. <laughs> and yet here we are yeah. right mm -hmm. and so to see that happen has been honestly amazing and i'm just really excited to see what's going to happen within the vine and you know all these amazing ideas that you're gonna rasp into yes. it and throw in there <laughs> and, and make it even bigger so one of the things that you know from your story earlier you were discussing you know you know your medical disability and things of that nature and i know that you know there's a scripture that comes to mind and it's paul mm -hmm. and he talks about that there's a thorn in his flesh right mm -hmm. and he can't get rid of it and 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 even hearing the different girls this podcast we all have a thorn in the flesh in our flesh that we're either dealt with still dealing mm -hmm. with and so what would you say is the thorn in your flesh um that's that's a really good question so honestly to me it, it is that like um our listeners whether they they would only know if they know me personally right and so um one thing about me is that i was born with a disability and so as a result of that, like, um, there's been a lot of nonsense that I've had to put up with throughout the years. And so, um, just to give you a little bit of insight when it comes to that, like, doctors told my parents that I was supposed to be dead by like 12, 13 years old, which is crazy to me now. And I think about it, and after saying all these stories, um, I was supposed to be mentally incapacitated. That's when you were writing poetry exactly. to God. Exactly. I just correlated <laughs> all of that. Oh my goodness. You're not crying. I know, right? Um, yeah, 12, 13 years old, that's when I was supposed to be like completely gone, incapacitated. Um, I was supposed to be wheelchair bound. And so um, there's been, and I don't say this in a hyperbolic way, I'm not being exaggerated. Like there's been a very real assignment in my life for me to be dead, right? Like the fact that I had suicidal thoughts, the fact that I, like the self-harm. Um, I've even had words of knowledge from people, prophetic words. Well, not prophetic words, just words of knowledge of what the en enemy intended to do with me. And so, again, I was supposed to be dead by now. And I don't say that lightly, and I'll probably say that phrase um, a few times. But when I say that, I don't say that for a dramatic effect. I say that out of a place of mocking the enemy because um, in a lot of very real ways, like the enemy um, tries to present himself as this sovereign deity right mm -hmm. but if the enemy was as strong as he makes us believe then i would be dead right mm -hmm. and that's not the case so every time that i say i was supposed to be dead it's such a slap in the enemy's face because i'm not right because right. god wins and right. god rolls the reins right so anyway um i even though i i was born with this i didn't become aware of of being disabled until i was like 
um, it was until I was a little bit older. And so I used to be like really, I was I was awesome. I mean, I still limping out differently. <laughs> um, but as I started growing up, I started realizing like, oh crap, like I'm different. Like I do have a disability. This is different, blah, blah, blah. And so I remember it all came to this like culminating point when um, I was, I went to the doctors and uh, again, like I had barely, I had just started grasping this idea of disability and what that looked like. And um, I remember going to the doctor's office and I had created like these plans in my head um, of what I wanted to do. And so I went with one person and so I was in this doctor's office and I was telling him what I wanted to do and I wanted to get his advice. And all of a sudden, like the doctor just started like literally laughing in my face, like straight up laughing, mocking me. And I remember I was so shocked, like I couldn't believe that this was happening. And the person that was there with me, like they started laughing and not like they just didn't know how to respond. Right. So mm -hmm. they didn't defend me is really what I'm saying. And so from that moment on my like something happened uh, in my brain where i just started like hating life i started hating myself i started like i started seeing no value in me i started like everything just completely shifted because now i came face to face with my own limitations right and so um from that moment on i just and other instances started happening where i started feeling like other people's shame and again i'm not I'm not when I when I talk about these things it's never out of a place of anger towards anybody because we were all just trying to navigate what this meant, right? right? Um and so I remember just dealing with these things and uh, I remember as a little girl too like um listening and this is something that this person has said for a long time. I they haven't said it recently, but I remember being a child and um like being around my mom and she was like talking on the phone and she would be like, well, you know, if Melissa wasn't disabled and if I didn't have to deal with all these things then I would have left her dad like um, years ago type of thing. So now as a child listening to that, I had to realize that not only was I dealing with all of this, but now I became a burden, right? And so every time, like, cause I've been through so many medical procedures, like I have had well over 20 surgeries. Like I've been close to losing my life a few times. like. It's just been a very real thing. And um, I remember, um, you know, the pain is very real. The pain is real. Um, uh, the pain is, <laughs> yeah. So, but a lot of times, like, I've just had to eat it, right? Because unfortunately, when people, when you're around people that are not healed, when you express how you're feeling, they make it about themselves, right? And so now, you not only do you have to carry your burden, you have to start carrying other people's burden. And so instead of doing that, I just started just, again, just eating it and dealing with it on my own or not dealing with it and becoming an addict. Um, so for a long time, I just, as soon as I started noticing that I was different, like I didn't want anybody's attention. I didn't want to be looked at. I didn't want anybody to love me. Like I just started making myself unlovable because I didn't want anybody to have to deal with the burden of who Melissa Chavez was, right? And so um, as I started growing up in, in you know middle school, high school, I've had... Mm, I've had like, you know, there's rejection and then there's rejection over something that you have no control over. And that is like intense. So because of that, like I definitely had to put up so many different walls up and just force myself to start thinking in a way that um, really was, you know, protective over my heart, right? It wasn't healthy, but it kept me alive. Right. So um as i grew up and all that so during the 18 to 21 when i was like wilding out you know um 
I never learned um, intimacy as far as like emotional intimacy, mental uh, intimacy, healthy physical intimacy. To me, it was always a transaction. Like to me, I always let people have enough um, for them to leave me alone. And um, so as I started like dating and all these things, like I just remember that to me, um, sorry, and I hope it, it doesn't sound crude, but it, it is what it is. Um, to me, lust was the only way that I knew how to have connection with anybody, right? Because I never wanted to let anybody in, like, because having a disability um, and having medical issues, whatever the case may be, like, um, to me, this is, it's this, right? But to other people, it's different kind of baggage right. that may be a little bit crippling for them, like, as far as, like, things that they've gone through, things that they've experienced, whatever. Um, and so I have a very real and sober idea of what it's like or what it will be like for me to be loved, right? And so I never had expected anybody to be willing to take on that burden. And so I just kept things at a very superficial level. And I kept myself in a place where, um, you know, I... I either used men or there's been there was a few times where I was used by men like it was this whole crazy thing where it was just it was terrible honestly it was very terrible um and so when I came to Christ like I had gone through that season through that through those three years of just being completely just um you know this sexually empowered whatever the case may be like you know just stupid stuff like that where the enemy really uses to like distort right mm -hmm. your your worth and your value and um when i came to christ you know god loves you where you're at but he doesn't leave you there right, right? and so all of those things had to be completely stripped for me and um not only did i have to start learning real intimacy but i had to start being vulnerable with people and so when i came to greater words christian church um, it's been a long, it's been a long road, and I want to say maybe for like the first five years, um, the Lord really started opening me up to people who really loved me. Like, Greater Works has given me people that love me through my ugly, through my good, through my shortcomings, through my highs, and I've been able to make myself vulnerable to a place where I never, like, even there's family members that I would never in my life be as open as I am, as far as my body, as far as like my medical things um as i am with people in the church like to me that is profound in and of, in and of itself and so um you know i started having to do a lot with the um with the self-hatred like i used to hate myself so much like and i used to not again not want any attention but one of the things that always melts me when it comes to god there's a scripture in revelations where it says that god's eyes are as flames of fire and so I remember the first time ever that I had an experience with God where it was just, um, sorry, it always gets me when I think about it. Um, <laughs> um, <coughs> sorry. Where I just saw him, just his gaze and his affection just like zeroed in on me. And I remember when that happened for the first time, like I didn't feel like I had to hide. I didn't feel like I had to run away. I didn't feel like I had to give excuses, like, for why I looked the way that I look. Like, I didn't feel like I had to hide anything. And instead, like, I just felt God's gaze on me. And um, it was the most powerful thing in my entire life to this day. Um, 
whenever I have those kind of encounters with the Lord, like it always just opens me up to a different level that I've never experienced. And so it's crazy to me because like when I tell you guys that when I came to Christ and I was nothing, like I'm not, like I really am not just saying that. I came to God and I was like, dude, like I have nothing. Like I have nothing to give you. Like literally I might as well just be dead. But if you want to take this and if you want to do something with it, like take it. Like there's, I don't, I don't want to give this to anybody else. Like you can have it. Right. And it was genuine because God gave me, God legitimately gave me a purpose to live. And, um, and so, you know, I, I went through all of that and I've had amazing encounters where the Lord has healed me and just brought me a lot of deliverance through those, through those encounters. And, you know, all of you guys, you guys have been so amazing in bringing me healing and, and developing my self-worth and all that good stuff. And um, so, you know, the first few years, it was a lot of, a lot of that, a lot of emotional healing. Thank you. A lot of emotional healing, a lot of um, deliverance and, and coming to terms with that. And so it came to a point where I started feeling like, um, you know, because when I came in, like I wasn't I wasn't dating. I wasn't doing any of those things just because I just didn't feel comfortable enough um, to do that. And so then there was this one time, though, where I started there was this guy that started coming around to church. And so, I mean, there's been a few instances, but this one was one of the most pivotal things in my life. Um, there was this guy that started coming into church and um, I was like, oh, maybe maybe this could be something right and unfortunately i i had that thought with one of the most immature men that i have ever met in my entire life at that moment in time and i remember that we went i'm sure i don't know if you remember but i'm sure as i start saying the story you're gonna be like oh yeah for sure um so i we went on like a pre-date date right trying to figure out what was going on whatever and i remember i went on this date with this man not non-date date and um and i remember when i was around him like i just felt like trash i felt like complete trash i felt like i wasn't worth anything it felt like i was i might as well have just dedicated my life all over you know and i just felt like worthless and um it was such a horrific date that it was comical and i remember driving back um and i was talking to the lord and i was like what did i just experience like what in the world was that um and the lord spoke to me so gently so kindly <laughs> and he was like melissa you know the person that you end up with will never expose your insecurities if anything um they're always going to hide them like you know just cover them i should say and I remember that was a complete game changer for me because I was like, wait, what? Like, I'm because again, like every time I had anybody's attention, like I always felt so exposed. So like I just wanted to hide. And so when the Lord told me that, it gave me a, a, a benchmark, right, of how I should feel with the person that I'm with. And so even with, and with this guy, like um, there was other... I always say it was like one of the most demonic things that I've experienced because even he, like, he used the disability to like... Um, to project his own insecurity onto me and so there was instances where i again like i wasn't defended the way that i should have been defended and that to me like 
that is one of my top things like if i don't feel like you're going to defend me or if you're going to put me down like that to me i shut down automatically and so um i remember that that was happening and i was crying out to the lord and i'm like god like i just need you to tell me and when it comes to any relationship with men like god really doesn't speak to me clearly because mm-hmm. um i just i i'm so distorted right, right. in my in my um ability to hear whatever that's why i have a lot of key people that i share my things with that way you guys can give me perspective so anyway but this was the one time that the lord intervened and i remember i had a dream and in the dream i was like getting ready for a wedding and um and but i was getting ready and the guests were coming and the groom wasn't anywhere to be found and i remember i was like in the dream i literally felt the ache in my heart and i was like I felt rejected. I felt like just betrayed, right? And I remember I woke up and I was like still feeling that that ache and so many other things happened in that dream which were so prophetic and so profound. And until this day, like I'm still holding on to those visions. But I remember getting up and I'm like getting ready to send a voice memo to Pastor Adriana to tell her about the dream. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit speaks to me. He's like, the reason why the groom wasn't in the dream is because he's not in your life yet. And so I was like, Cool, got it. It's not this guy. So then that showed me like the Lord just spoke to me about that. And I was like, okay, like, and he gave me other direction about the person that I'm supposed to end up with. Like, just keep points, right? And so I'm like, okay, thank you, Jesus. So then um, not only that, but during this time, uh, Pastor Adriana, because of some of the things that had happened, she actually did stand up for me. She called the guy up and was like, hey, like, you don't treat anybody like that. And the guy ended up calling me, apologizing, whatever. But the damage to me had already been done, right? right? My identity had already been shot. And so now I had to deal with more stuff and I had to bring myself to a different kind of level where... Um, you know, because you can go through healing, but it's not really healing until you actually have to put it into practice. Right. And um, so anyway, I did that. And then um, during this time, during the time that I was being healed, I also have to emphasize that I also was getting really close with friends, right? I had best friends and I was getting like these deep, meaningful friendships. And each and every one of those friendships that I was developing um literally they started getting married off they started meeting boyfriends like they started just moving on in other phases of their life and that to me was so difficult because here i am putting in the work doing the things that i needed to do and being diligent with god and i wasn't receiving that blessing right and but one thing that i refuse to do is hate on my friends like to me the moment that i start hating on my friends like is the moment that i've lost right and so um I've had to work diligently at being happy for other people when they were receiving the blessing that I've been longing for. Mm-hmm. And so I've prayed for people, I've blessed, I've sown into weddings, like I've done things that in order to combat what the enemy tried to plant in my life because I, I just refuse to be bitter. Like, mm-hmm. And the moment that you start being bitter over your friends' like blessings is the moment that you're, like, you lose that life. Because um, you have to learn how to steward your friend's blessings. Like, mm-hmm. if you don't know how to steward your friend's blessings, then what can the Lord really trust you with, right. you know? And so because of that, it's allowed me to be a part of so many beautiful experiences. And I just thank God for that wisdom. I'm not saying it's been easy because there's been times where I've been sad and I've had to mourn and I've had to let go of friendships. But at the end of the day, like, 
you know the emotion as you as you stated and as pastor jenna says like emotion is data right and so then just because i felt it i couldn't make it my identity i had to process it and so anyway i had this experience with this guy and i've been going through those experiences with my friends and finally there came this this other time and i know that i've used this scripture as a experience already but and i've talked about it in context of community but there was this time where i dated this guy and um it was like a month and every time we got together like he would always want to talk about my life before the lord and so if anybody can only relate to you based on your broken past that you need to run you that is not a healthy relationship and so then i realized that and so now i was like okay like this isn't gonna work and so after him like i just remember sitting on my bed and i was like god like what do you want me to do like because uh, i had met him through a dating app so now i was like you know what do you want me to do like at this point like I don't want to make anything happen. I just want to know what you want me to do. And so I, the Lord showed me that that scripture, right, where the man finds a, tre a, a pearl, he buries it, buys the whole land, and then buries the treasure there. And so then the Lord showed me that. And so now, because I'm fully aware of the sacrifice that's going to come with loving me, right? My future spouse is going to have to put up with things that they never bargained for, you know? And that is very difficult for me to understand. But at the same time, as you know, through countless counseling, through countless prayer, through countless things, because um, I've always asked Pastor Linda, you know, what kind of man am I going to attract that would be okay with something like this? Like, to me, it just signified, like, and uh, I know it's going to sound stupid, but a low caliber man like right and so she was like are you freaking kidding me the person that sees you and loves you and like wants to be with you despite that sorry makes me emotional every time um is somebody that's just like to a whole other degree right and so one i had to i have to believe that there's someone out there like that and there's countless stories of people like being in that kind of love story or whatever but not only do I have to believe that, but I also have to believe that I deserve that, mm -hmm. right? And so um, I remember the Lord showed me that scripture. And he's like, look, the person that you end up with is going to see you and because of what you are. And there's been like, to me, there's one specific thing that I that I pray that the person I end up with um, loves about me. And it has nothing to do with my body, has nothing to do with my abilities. And it has everything to do with Jesus. Because ultimately, like, whether you're healed completely or, you know, the most beautiful person in the world, the only thing that's going to remain and that's going to last is Jesus. And so um, I've had to go through that entire process. And I've also had to learn, like, um, you know, God loves me and loves us and loves all of us irregardless of our shortcomings and of our trauma, of our physical abilities or not. And so to me, it's like, okay, if the Savior of the world, like the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the one who has existed before the creation of this earth, if he loves me so freaking much, Mm -hmm. why am I ever going to discredit myself and sell myself short, right? And so that's really where, and to be quite honest, that's really where In the Vine came from. Because I know that there's so many people out there who look at their life, who look at their stuff, and who look at their, probably even their physical appearance, and they ask themselves, like, who could ever love this mess, right? Who could ever love this? And to me, it's like, no, you're worthy of that kind of love. Like, and I mean that from a place of conviction, like to the place where I have to believe that um, you're worthy of that. And so to me, that 
has been the most profound thing and I've been able to experience that kind of healing with friends, family, and I know that one day it's gonna come through a spouse, but at the same time, like, uh, it really comes back down to working on myself, right? And understanding that I'm a valuable person despite this. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I don't know how I got off that tangent, but this is where I'm at, hello. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, that's, I think that's, that's amazing that you are giving real life data, right? Mm -hmm. Of what is happening, the journey, where you've come from first of all from the the that spirit of death over you that self-sabotaging the destruction the suicide thoughts the all of that to a place of okay god's redeeming god's bringing life not only are you bringing life to yourself but you bring life you're doing the exact opposite of what the enemy has been trying to do to you you've been bringing life to people and that's one of the things that i really love about you and i know that i always tell you is you have this ability to wherever you're at like you just fit in <laughs> you just you are you find a way to serve and one thing that i wish more single people would do is what you do and that's definitely hang around married people and learn from them and and, and take information and you know apply it to yourself so that you can heal yourself and you know find ways to okay when I, because we're talking, we're believing in that spouse. When that spouse comes, I'm going to be in a much better place, mm -hmm. right? You know, than than where I'm at now. So, to just see you tell the enemy, like, screw you, mm -hmm. I'm going to still show up, and I'm going to do it even better, and I'm gonna, everything that you're trying to tell me not to do, I'm still going to do it. I'm still going to show up. I'm still going to be vulnerable, even if I'm feeling a certain type of way, like an outcast. Like, no, like you're facing your fears head on. Mm -hmm. And I think that is something that's very admirable and it's very courageous because it's not easy. Oh, it is much easier to just stay in the room. Oh yes. And <laughs> and just pretend like, you know what, I I'm fine. I don't need to deal with the world or the world at large, but you still do it. You still show up. So 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 you know it hasn't been easy. So what would you say to people who like we've I mentioned earlier about Paul and you know we all have a thorn in our flesh that we all have to deal with and and as we've seen throughout the panel it looks different for everybody mm -hmm. right and so we're not singling anybody out we I mean at the end of the day we all have something that we're going through and dealing with so what would you say to people that are still dealing with that or dealing with it how do they show up how do they what do you recommend or what have you done? What's giving you the strength mm -hmm. and the courage to still show up despite whatever circumstances are coming your way? Um, that's a really, really good question. And I think I can answer that in so many different ways. But I think what's helped me is vision, right? So, for example, being around people that have what I want people that have um that are just a blessing in my life has enriched my life furthermore like it's prepared me for things it's expanded my life it's expanded the way that i see myself uh, for example um i don't know if you remember but there was this one time where i was really struggling with um being able to accept somebody's like love or attention or even being able to find somebody and i went to mike and i was like mike like you know i'm struggling with this and then mike was able to just speak life into me and he was able to tell me like dude like well the way that you're thinking it, in essence is like dumb like you got to understand like you're surrounded by people that love you and so 
um that to me was like one of the most monumental things that could ever happen to me um because i opened myself up right and i'm surrounded by a community that i could trust enough to do that and so what what i would say to somebody that's in that position is one look for a community that's healthy right because you can't just be throwing yourself out into like i feel like a lot of people have been played but that's because you've been opening up yourself to people that don't deserve your trust um and again like the bigger the risk the bigger the reward and i'm not saying there hasn't been times that i have been burnt like there's been i to this day i get people that say the most outlandish things to me where i'm just like dude like that was an inside voice as in keep it inside your head like you didn't need to tell me that you know but uh you know I think the more that I learn, the more that I have grace on myself, the more that I'm able to have grace on others. And I'm, I get it. Like, you know, I can just understand that we're, for the most part, we're all just trying to be better humans. Right. And one thing that I love about God is like, he doesn't disqualify us so as long as we're trying our best to be better. And so, you know, have grace, have patience on yourself and show up. Like there's been times where I've been completely awkward. There's been times where I'm there and people know that I'm miserable and I don't want to be there. Um, But just showing up is half the battle. Like even with my walk with God, yeah, I've been devoted to him and I've loved him. But there's been times where I'm like, I don't like I don't want to talk to you right now. Like I don't want to see you. I don't want anything to do with you. There's been times where I felt betrayed by God. But I stuck around and that's been half the battle in my walk with the Lord is staying at the very least staying and allowing him to just be God in my life and allowing him to be a good father allowing him to be a good friend he's closer than a brother and so um, to me is open up your heart you know like I'm a, I'm the queen of isolation I love <laughs> isolation I love it but I went through a whole year where that's what's all that I was doing and i was depressed i was miserable i was i had no intimacy with god like to the level that i used to have and finally i realized you know what like if i ever want to do anything effective in this life if i ever want to receive any legitimately any legitimate healing i'm gonna have to put myself in a place where i can be hurt right and ever since i did that like my life has grown exponentially like in the vine is here this is happening like and so, you know, I'm not saying it's easy. Like you said, it's not easy. There will be times where you're burned and that you're hurt. Mm-hmm. But um, don't let a small moment in time dictate what God can do in your life ultimately. You know, Jesus himself, he was surrounded by people that he loved and people that loved him. And he was doing the most amazing things while walking on this earth. And those were the very people that crucified him. And yet, while he was on the cross, he was still interceding for them. So if Jesus could do that, he, why not me, you know? And he's not asking me to do it to that level. And, um, you know, revelations, and sorry, I'm going to bring that back to this because if it's not for the Lord, then for what, right? Mm -hmm. There's this um, scripture in Revelations where it says, may the lamb receive the reward of his suffering. And to me, Again, I went back, you know, at the beginning I started with, I want that to be my legacy, that I just lived a life devoted onto the Lord. Um, And that is the encapsulation of what life is about, is for the lamb to receive the very thing that he died and gave his life for. 
And so he died for community. He died so that we can be reconciled back onto him. And a lone wolf, somebody that's constantly hiding in their pain and in their shame, um, is ineffective in the kingdom of God. And I think the moment that I had any real breakthrough in my life was the moment that I decided and I realized that pain, suffering, whether I'm healed, whether I'm not healed, whether I am, you know, whatever in the lowliest places in my life, it goes back to that prayer that I told the Lord when I first started. I have nothing, like nothing, nothing, nothing. And if you can take that and make it something, if you can take my disability and create a beautiful story from it, if you can take my healing and create a beautiful story from it, if you can take my singleness, my marriage, my future kids, my lack of kids, my broken family, if you can create something and bring yourself glory, then do whatever the heck you want because the enemy wants to tell you that your life is broken. The enemy wants to tell you that mm -hmm. all these things are happening. But at the end of the day, if God gets one ounce of glory, like pff, he can do whatever he wants. Like he can do whatever he wants. God deserves it. And so if you live your life devoted to the Lord like that, um, then I think everything else becomes minuscule. Right. And just something that I want to add before we close is what who you identify with matters yes and so you know it's so easy to fall into the identity that the satan or the enemy wants to put on us yes. right whether it be a disability whether it be shame whether it be a betrayal whatever victimhood that, mm -hmm. that's where victimhood stems from like that victimhood is the identity of satan yes, yes. and so good and we can take on or we can we have a choice we take on that identity of yeah. satan which is victimhood and that covers you know everything that's not of god yeah or we can take the identity of christ yes and everything that christ has to offer so i love that you're saying that i love that we're talking about you know putting on christ's identity and and speaking that yeah. and so what we put on ourselves that identity that's exactly what we're going to ooze out and exactly. that's exactly what people are going to see mm -hmm. which is why i say you know broken people hurt people you yes. know because that's what you're carrying so if anything you know uh, thank you melissa it's been such an honor and such <laughs> a you. privilege is there any last thoughts that you want to you know say to your fans <laughs> Stop. So. Uh, pray for your single okay. no, okay. <laughs> um no i think i've said it all i think just a life worth living for the only thing that makes life worth anything and enduring pain and suffering and joy is honestly just experiencing god in a, the most profound ways there's always more to discover with god and so i think the more that you search for him the more that your life becomes fulfilled i agree well ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for tuning in and who's in the vine and as melissa likes to say <laughs> pray for your single friends it's, it's hard, hard out here <laughs> and pray for the friends that are praying for the single friends because it's really hard out here <laughs> bye guys <laughs>